Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of Fly With Your Shadow. I'm Jeff Robson coming to you from my home in Winnipeg, Manitoba. This show deals with music, mental illness, and the mess that COVID-19 has made of all of it. Today's show contains honest and open discussions about mental illness. If these topics might be difficult for you to hear about, I urge you to get help right away. If you or someone you love is struggling, the right help can and will change a life. There's a section on the show's website at flywithyourshadow.com where you can find some organizations and resources that can and will help you. If you have questions or don't know where to turn, please reach out to me at flywithyourshadow at gmail.com. If you are or someone you know is in immediate danger or in crisis, please call 911 right away or find your local crisis support team. Don't wait. If there is a crisis you need to act immediately, always take a suicide threat or fear very seriously. Before I go any further today, I think it's important to address a topic that I've been asked about a couple of times, and that's the difference between mental health and mental illness. Those two terms are often used interchangeably, but they're very separate things. I think everyone understands that we need to exercise and eat healthy foods to look after our bodies and our physical health. If you don't do those things, you run the risk of increasing your likelihood of contracting a serious physical illness like cancer or diabetes. We all know this. In the same way, though, there are some things that we should do to look after our mental health as well. Avoiding stress, finding positive outlets and activities in your life, having healthy relationships, and much more all contributes to a healthy mind. I think we're becoming a lot more aware of the importance of those things in our demanding, hectic, stressful world. Mental health has become a new buzzword that you hear a lot, and it's a good thing. We all need to pay attention to that more. Unfortunately, if you don't look after your mental health, or if you have a genetic predisposition, you run a greater risk of developing a mental illness like depression or anxiety disorder or bipolar disorder, just to name a few. Trauma in a life can also lead to developing a mental illness, which we'll hear more about in this episode. Mental illnesses are still very misunderstood and rarely discussed, which leads to a lot of the fear and stigma that surrounds an illness. Those issues make it a lot harder to discuss and makes it more unlikely that people suffering will get the help that they need. Understanding that fundamental difference, I think, will help with today's conversation. I had a great time catching up with a musical friend that I've known well for almost 20 years. Hi there, I'm Nikki Maida, and I'm a singer-songwriter and one-third of a folk roots band called The Whalen Jennies. The Whalen Jennies began here in Winnipeg in 2002 as a couple of low-key shows by three talented female singer-songwriters who shared a musical kinship. They were all building solo careers at the time and decided to kind of combine their talents and do shows together. Little did they know that the chemistry would be undeniable and they'd quickly catch on and find the kind of runaway success that they could have only dreamed of as solo artists. Since then, the solo careers have taken a seat on the sideline and Nikki Maida and Ruth Moody have maintained a strong partnership. The third spot in the group has changed a couple of times, though, first with founding member Kara Luft, then Annabelle Chvostik, and now Heather Massey. The group has toured extensively in North America and enjoys a loyal, appreciative audience, especially in the United States, where they do most of their touring these days. 
They celebrated their 15th anniversary in 2017 with their latest album, 15, which was comprised of some of their favorite songs by other writers. The Waylon Jenny's last album of new material was called Bright Morning Stars, and it was released in 2011. It's been a while since Nikki put out a solo record, but she has a wonderful one called Weather Vane from 2001. I spoke to Nikki on the phone in February 2021. Even though she was calling from 15 minutes away from my house, our lousy connection makes it sound like she was calling from a fallout shelter at the South Pole. I sincerely apologize for that. Some pirates can be a little bit hard to hear, but I think you'll be able to follow the conversation just fine. I like to start at the beginning of 2020. We all had uh, plans and expectations for the year, and they for the most part, didn't work out. What was your plan? What was on the horizon for you? I know you guys had some touring and stuff on the books. What What did the year look like going in? It looked fantastic. In fact, I mean, we booked so far ahead that we had two years that were going to be very full because we had just come off hiatus. Um, so we were we were super excited to be back out on the road. And I think we we actually, the last tour we had was March, beginning of March in, in um in North Carolina, which was actually one of the first places in the states to uh, to to post new cases, which actually right in the place we performed, it was in Boone County, um, which is the last show we played. So we got a little freaked out, and in fact, all of us we did a cruise, like a work cruise. Yeah, you were on KMO, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. For the first time, it was amazing. And thankfully, we had that experience. I'd never been on a cruise before. Um, and it was it was lots of fun because it was a music cruise. So it was nice to get that, to have that experience because we were able to take the, my kids and, and grab him along and did sound for us. And um, but at that point, like they were, you know, there was there was talk of it and they weren't allowing people who had visited mainland China to board the ship. So it was, you know, being talked about. And then, and I think we were there, we were on the boat at the beginning of February, and then we spent a couple of days in Miami, and then we came home. And I was gearing up for, for North Carolina, and that's when it really started, the talk was really starting. And by the time I went to North Carolina, we were we were thinking, okay, this is this is looking a little weird. And, but I was convinced because everybody was saying this, and everything I was reading about it was like, oh well, it's no worse than the flu. And you know, with SARS and MERS having happened, I was you know thinking, okay. Um, but Ruth, one of the other, one, my co-founder, and um, and a couple of the other are like merch person, they were freaked out, like they were. They were really worried, and and we were playing in Raleigh, which is our second biggest market in the states, and um, we usually have a really long signing line afterwards. So we were sort of debating whether to do that, and then we did do it, and uh, and that was that. And 
who knows who knows whether we because everybody got sick i think so nobody knows whether they actually had it but yeah and then and then it all stopped so what was that transition like like were you were you actually on the road and had to come back or was it a matter of uh you were kind of between dates or how did that work we were between dates so we came back from uh we came back from north carolina um and uh and then that's when you know it all got real there and uh and then it became clear we started getting tour cancellations but i mean we were going to cancel anyway um but you know we were waiting for the venues to cancel and they did and then basically everything was got shifted to 2021 but it's going to and i'm sure um so yeah so we so we just you know we were just thinking i think initially everyone was sort of thinking okay well this will be over in a few months and so when things were getting booked for actually things were a couple got moved to the fall of like 2020 and i remember saying to our agent like i really don't think those are going to happen like i'm not this is going to be over anytime soon so yeah things just keep getting shifted you know, which is in 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 a sense is good because this tour is still there. Because I think when you know when things resume, a lot of the artists who aren't who haven't booked tours are going. It's going to be hard. I mean, there's well, for sure, so- yeah. Like, wh- how are you going to get a festival date in the next couple of years if you didn't already have one booked? You know, exactly. last year. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I feel I feel super lucky because we're so far into our careers that we. You know, we don't have to, we don't typically have to struggle for those, those anymore. Um, doesn't mean we get to p- play everything, of course, but, um, I, you know, it's, it's in a much more secure position than I just, I feel so much for the younger musicians that are, you know, coming up. I just don't even know how they're doing it. It's just, I actually did a jury the other day uh, for Manitoba Film and Music and adjudicating sort of up and comers and it, I just, I kept thinking, well, you guys have a, have a tough road ahead of you. I mean, tough no matter what, but, it, but starting out at this point, yeah. So for those of us, uh, in Canada, you don't spend a whole lot of time in Canada. So, so I think a lot of people in Winnipeg and stuff aren't really aware of how much you're still working. So, so is the Whale and Jenny still a full-time job for you? Yes. Yeah, it is. We're, you know, ever since we all had kids, we, um, don't, we're not on the road as much as we used to be. We used to, you know, we used to do three or four weeks at a time and then not be off for a couple of weeks and then be back out there. So we were doing a lot of dates. And then, so we pulled back to, we're usually about gone for about a week, a month, which is still, still a decent amount of touring. Um, but you know, like we're almost 20 years old. So we've built, we've built this, you know, we built the band up to the point where we can, you know, we can get the kind of fees we need in order for everybody to survive, you know, so, um, and it's, and it became really clear pretty early on. We, we got really lucky by being invited onto Prairie Home Companion, which was, you know, that whole thing just catapulted us, uh, and, and created this following all over the States. And I mean, it's hard to break into the States as a Canadian artist and, yeah, so that really did it first, and then it became really clear that it's just it's you know it this it sounds so mercenary, but you have to think when you get to the point where you're not twenty anymore, and 
you know, you're having kids and stuff like you can't, you can't be, you know, screwing around. You've got to make a living, you know? And so it became really clear that the only way to do that for us and not be on the road all the time was to be in the States because the, you know, the fees are much higher. You can go to one state and tour around that state and, you know, with two hour drives between which when we're traveling with kids at times, like babies, it's just, you, you just, it's just way, way more possible. Way more, uh, yeah. So, I mean, like when we put out an, a, an album, we'll do a, a cross Canada tour and we honestly, we would love to be touring in Canada more, but it is just like, I don't know how people do it and stay afloat, you know? So how hard was it for you to suddenly have that income and that, that part of your life just kind of come to a screeching halt? Well, it was, I mean, it, it was incredibly difficult on a number of levels. One of which was that like we had, you know, like we worked really hard over the years to kind of get ourselves into a good position and, um, you know, get ourselves into a position finally where it was like, okay, we can put some, we can save some money. You know, it's not just a matter of like, you know, being able to pay our bills. We can actually, you know, because musicians are, they don't have a pension obviously. So it's like, okay, how are we going to, I'm not going to be touring when I'm 85. How are we going to, you know, presuming I live to 85, how are we going to make this work? And, um, and so it's really, it's really, and I mean, like, you know, compared to a lot of people, that's a much more enviable position. You know, I, I can, I acknowledge that, but, um, still it's it's still a disappointment and um and also then okay so there's that so i kind of had to get over that fact and just accept that and that's fine you know i'm not going to starve obviously but um but i think that just over time it's just been like oh my god i i i mean if there's anything sort of positive about this and there there have been a few positive things but one of it it like because i've struggled over the years just sort of feeling like is this like is this really what i want you know every year i'm like, I don't know, do I want to keep doing this? And I mean, this pandemic has made it really clear that this is what I should be doing and what I actually love doing, you know? Being off the road is really hard in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I know you've been thinking about doing a solo record and stuff. So being at home alone, not having the touring, is that going to accelerate that kind of thing? Has it helped with that at all? <laughs> You'd think. Um, <laughs> You've been threatening to put out this solo record for years. Years. Well, my, solo, my solo album is 20 years old. <laughs> it was that put... good that you've been coasting on it for 20 years. <laughs> I just want to make sure people have the capacity to take in more brilliance. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. Yeah. You got to let us take a breather. Bring every, everything that first album. Um, I, well, I was supposed to write, I was supposed to release one like, um, nine years ago. Oh my God. I can't believe it's been that long. <laughs> so silly. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I find it, like, I, well, I have kids. That's one big thing, you know, um, having, especially twins, I think. <laughs> Twin boys who have a lot of energy. <laughs> well, I've been saying to like, you know, I said to people like, I just, 
I feel like, why can't I get this done? You know, like I, I, I should be able to get this album out. They're like, um, it could be those like three-year-olds uh, that, you know, you're kind of parenting. That's a job. Um, you know, so like, but I don't know. It's just, it's so hard to find. I find that creativity is like just getting space and getting into a groove is impossible. Kids. Like it's just, I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible for everybody. It just, you know, some people can really make it work and I admire them. Um, but I just, it's, I find it hard to just create space and like, you know, physical space, emotional space, like all that stuff. And um, so it's just, I've just found it challenging. I mean, I have written songs, but they've mostly been for the band. And so um, I really do want to get to it. It's just, I've been I've been frustrated and I feel like a lot of artists are saying this that you know you you think you have this time why aren't you like being productive and practicing and writing and again some musicians have but I just haven't I feel like I'm getting to it now though like I'm just I picked up my guitar again after a long time and also because we can't I mean I guess I could do solo live streams which i i didn't do a live stream at the beginning of the pandemic i was posting yeah, you're doing videos. a lot of covers and stuff right yeah which is fun i mean i think it's a good it's a good exercise and i just kind of wanted to put stuff out for people um you know and 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 then i just i stopped because i was just like i just don't what i feel like is that i've always written like one of the main things I did one of the things I did when I was 20 something was to write a mission statement and I've actually done a workshop on this, which is pretty cool that writing a mission statement that was very short and, and it was essentially no matter what I do in my life, I want to create bridge bridges between myself and others and sort of make people feel less alone and, you know, comfort people. So it just happened to be that music was a perfect pl- a way to do that. And I couldn't seem to get another job either. So that <laughs> that's what I'm doing. But um, I feel like the pandemic and everything that's happened with Black Lives Matter and the frightening, you know, fascist government in the States and, and the sort of the out and out display of white supremacy and all it, it just, I feel disillusioned. And so when you've spent your life writing songs for the you know partially for the purpose of kind of um trying to make other people feel better it's hard to do that when you're like what the like everything i not everything i thought about the world but because i certainly wasn't like very like totally pollyanna-ish but i sort of had more faith in the world than than i i feel like i should have now with everything that's happened i think i'll get back to a place where i can make sense of it but yeah for i mean i think maybe if you write you know whatever kind of music like to dance music or whatever then that doesn't kind of shake you to your creative core like you can still make dance music not to not to diminish the you know whatever goes into making dance music but you know what i mean so it was like how can i write what i normally write if i don't even feel like i can write that right now so that's been the uh, that's been the problem, I think, for me. And I'm also really lazy. You've always been very passionate and outspoken about causes that you care about, and uh, 
It seemed like you kind of stirred things up a little bit with the Whalen Jennies uh, <laughs> last year. You, you, I think you referred to it as your Dixie Chicks moment during <laughs> yes. Black Lives Matter, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, we don't we don't typically post a ton on on so. I I sometimes feel like we're the laziest band in the world. Like we're not very good at promoting ourselves. I said to I said to our US agent and, and to Ruth in an email, I'm like, we should really be getting photos taken because we just we can never seem to get it together, like to do any promotional stuff. Anyway, so um we thought, okay, it's important that we declare our allegiance to the Black Lives Matter movement as it stands for all people of color. And um, so we just, you know, I found this great shot of two people standing above, um, like on a car or something in a protest with holding a sign saying, I can't breathe. And, uh, and then we put it up and said, you know, we, we want to, to show our allegiance um, to this cause and, and hope that you know i can't remember exactly what i said but but hope to rectify together some of this you know great inequalities that exist and it just blew the i just i couldn't believe it it's like how is it that like well everybody saw what happened right it's like how can you argue against this period but you know i mean obviously a lot of people don't see it and there was the all lives matter kind of thing and 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 right away it was this, the first comment that came up after i after we put that up i say yeah it was we i mean it's not just me after we put that up was someone saying um maybe you should uh send a shout out to the businesses that all got you know tore during the you know and and immediately it goes to the looting which to me always you know, the, the first place people want to go because then they don't have to think about it further. And I, and I mean, I think that, you know, other people would have left it alone and just kind of let people do their thing, right? Like just post what you think, leave it alone. But that's not me. (laughs) And so I started commenting on other people's comments as myself. Like I wasn't for the Jennies. So I was just like, just arguing a, a whole bunch of people. And fortunately, we have enough fans that are, you know, uh, are compassionate and empathetic people that they, you know, helped. They helped. And then I was like, can anybody, can any, uh, anyone else come in here and help me out here, you know? Um, but it was, ast- it was astounding to me. Like, I just, I, and, and. I also wanted to be really careful just about how I said things and, and I didn't, I didn't want to just like pounce, but some of the comments were just so offensive. I couldn't even stand it. Like it was just, and then it turned into a, like, because people were making that distinction. Like I hate it when bands are are political and blah, blah, blah. And the whole sort of shut up and sing mentality. And like the, the men saying girls, you really should, you know, keep your politics off and like, you know, my fists clenched at that point. It sounds like maybe it was for the best that you weren't on tour at the time. And maybe the, maybe there was some quiet time for all this ridiculousness to blow over. Oh, it was just, oh yeah. 
I was going to say that like it, it quickly. Okay. So people were saying, you know, don't be political. Like I wish my, my favorite bands wouldn't be political because now I can't listen to the music anymore. And, so, and I was like, it's not political. It's, it's saying that every human being should be treated equally. That's not a political thing. That's a human rights issue. Like, don't turn this into that. And then, but then it quickly turned into, like, regardless of what I said, into this, into this um, political thing, Democrats versus Republicans, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually I was just like, dude, to this one guy, like, he's like, you just lost. Oh, because, because I said something like, Someone said something about Trump and I said, I honestly cannot understand why people would ever support such a repugnant human being. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And some, you know, older white guy said, uh, well, you just lost a big part of your fan base. And the thing is, like, he's not wrong. But then I doubled down on it. I was like, you know, I didn't sort of shy away from it. Um, but so that was a sort of, I think that was the kind of the real Dixon Chicks moment was that one. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's hard to believe that you can stand up for other people and acknowledge that certain groups of people have been mistreated throughout history, which is undeniable. And somehow yeah. that's a bolder, you know, crazy statement to some people. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I saw, I saw a great quote about, um, just that like with, you can, there are a lot of sort of disenfranchised white people who feel like I have nothing. I've had a hard life. And if you can still put me above, you know, a person of color, then I'm going to vote for you. Like if I was just, and it makes sense. It's really horrible, but you know, whatever. So yeah, there's a lot of people in some serious denial. So on the music front, when things open back up, is are you just going to go back to whatever the plan was before, or is there a kind of a new, a new plan? Well, we're going to go back to what we were doing before. Um, you know, we built up some really, uh, like really reliable followings. Mostly, actually, well, no, not mostly. A lot on the coasts. Um, and, uh, you know, so we, we do the Midwest and stuff like that as well. Um, I think that's going to continue. Um, we've always, California's always been a big one for us. We had a 10-day tour uh, booked there. And I think had the pandemic not happened, we wouldn't have been able to go on that anyway because of the wildfires. So there are things that we have to consider as well, you know, going forward, just... Like we were in, uh, I don't know if you remember when Paradise, California burned to the ground. Yeah, yeah, we were there a month before that happened. And it, it's crazy because we played there a few times and, you know, I was just thinking that it's gone. I just can't even believe that. So, you know, there were things like that to consider. But I mean, other than that, and, and it's hard to say what the fallout of this, you know, acquittal for Trump is going to be because a, a lot of people are talking about just how you know, broken the states is. And I don't know how, and, and emboldening for for the white supremacists. It's like, is this going to be a dangerous situation? It's hard to say, you know, but we're going ahead with the idea that we can continue to do what we were doing, you know, so. 
Are there plans for a new Jenny's album or anything? It's been a long well, time since you put out an album of original music. A long time. It's been, it's been, oh my God, what, like 2000, when did Bright Morning, or Stars came out 2000? Yeah, it's been 10 years. That's a long time between <laughs> records. You know? I know. And, and I actually suggested to Ruth that we try and record something. Um, we record something while we're, while, you know, while we're waiting to get back on the road. And she kind yeah. of said it twice and she kind of ignores that I say it. Yeah. She's like, oh, good idea. Ha ha. And then I don't <laughs> hear from her for like two weeks. Um, I would love to. I think it's, but it's also hard because we're all over the place, you know, like yeah. Heather's in, Heather's in California now. She oh. moved to California. And Ruth is, Ruth's kind of all over the place, but she's on the West Coast right now. So I don't know. I don't know how realistic that is, but you're right. Like it's pathetic. It's pathetic that we don't. <laughs> about it's pathetic that we're using 12 year old photographs um and it's yeah we're just we're really pathetic one of these it's, days yeah someday we'd love to see it yeah. all right well let's talk about the other big topic on this show i know that uh, the jennies have uh partnered at your shows a lot with uh mental health organizations can you tell me a bit about why that cause is so important for you yeah, well, we, I mean, we decided a long time ago that we wanted to partner with an organization and sort of do fundraising on the road. And um, I believe actually it was, I mean, I, I said that, you know, mental health stuff, I was a US agent about it. And I said that, you know, mental health stuff was important to us. And he, so he suggested a national alliance on mental illness. And it's sort of a grassroots national organization, uh, mostly volunteer run who de who really need the money. I mean, they're doing some amazing things. So we decided to work with them. So we've been working with them since 2014. And uh, and they're pretty much at every show of ours now. And so, you know, we I mean it's our it's our audience that that we, you know, they 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 are the people who are contributing the money. Um, we have a we have a draw for Jenny's merch people sort of donate and it's been it's been fantastic and I, I think the reason we we all picked that was because we all have all of our families and I, frankly I think every family on earth has been um, mental illness and 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 I'm I am someone who who uh, deals with that as well so um, it's it's really important to me to uh just neutralize this you know this uh well the stigma and the and and just make it and nor like just normalize it just just talk about it and not be afraid to talk about it and that's that's like because i i always do um i always talk a bit before we do the draw at each show and um and i say that you know that that the my one line that I feel like always gets to people, um, I sort of hear it in the audience, like this kind of like, oh, you know, it, uh, is to say uh, that, the, that the brain is an organ like any other organ in the body and it's susceptible to, you know, uh, difficult environments and trauma and, and uh, wiring and, and, you know, it, it's, 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 it's 
no different. And so why is the name attached to that, you know? And, and uh, yeah, so it's a really important thing to keep talking about. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's two issues here and that is that uh, I think everybody needs to be a little more aware of their own mental health. And, and uh, so it's important that we all understand how that can impact us. Um, mm-hmm. But the other, the other side is the more serious side, and that is the mental illness, um, which I think we need to be a lot more understanding of and a lot more open about. When, when, when I was a kid, I had, I had no idea what a mental illness was. I had no idea that's why, you know, certain family members behaved the way they did or, or things or, or, the, or why I felt the way I did. I had no idea. So I think it's yeah. important for us to, to talk about it for both those reasons. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I'm sort of encouraged by the fact that, you know, the, I'm seeing now with the boys in middle school and, and, and finding out what they're teaching in their health classes, you know, other than education, which is also extremely important, is, is talking about mental health. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's so vital. So it's nice to see that happening because, yeah, when I was growing up, that wasn't discussed. And even though it was like rampant in our families, in, in my, both my parents in, the, in our families, and, and yeah, there's just this either ignoring it or judging it or, you know, uh, yeah. So it's, it, I mean, it is being talked about more, but it's still, there's a long way to go, you know. And I, uh, it's, it's interesting because I have, I've, I've been diagnosed as, as having bipolar two, which is, is often, which is very prevalent among artists. And, and some would say partially why some people succeed at, at you know, with it because they, it doesn't, it, I mean, most people are sort of, they think about bipolar disorder and they, they think of like, Kanye West or, or just these real extremes, right? Or like Carol Fisher, you know, it was just like talking about, you know, swinging off chandeliers or in the depths of despair. So bipolar two is not as extreme. Um, and that's, and that's it's, why it's hard to recognize, right? Yes. It's misdiagnosed often. It's very hard to get that diagnosis. And the, and the really horrible thing about it is that if people don't spot it, and particularly this is going to be the case with with GPs, you know, with people going to their family doctors. But I also see in psychiatry where it's like there, there isn't an, they don't spot it. And if, if a person with bipolar disorder, bipolar two or bipolar one, um, if they're given antidepressants, that makes it worse. So, you know, people are just, are suffering and that's, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, I make that distinction and, um, yeah, so like for someone bipolar too, there's a kind of a mania that feels like a really, you know, idealistic um, sort of, no, I wouldn't say quite grandiose, but this idea that like it gives you, I think a lot of a lot of artists don't have a lot of self-confidence a lot of time, but it gives you that confidence. So it makes you think that you can do things you you maybe couldn't otherwise, right? And so but then the then the depression's a lot worse. It's one of the bipolar two is the worst level of depression, I think. It it it's um yeah. So it's it's it but they call it the Cadillac of mental illnesses because it is associated with with uh artistic um that like, that's an that's a component of it is this is uh, 
but it's 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 uh, you know it's uh, it's difficult to uh, maintain and balance with that. Yeah. If you're comfortable, I'd I'd love to know more about sort of what was happening with you and what led up to you being diagnosed. Oh sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I well, I was in therapy, and I mean, I've I've suffered with this stuff since I was sixteen, right? And it, it uh, so over the years, there's been kind of like checking in, um, because of just being in a really terrible place, and so it was it was, I think I knew that I had problems with depression, but I hadn't yet identified what was going on when I wasn't depressed. And there was never a normal, like there's no normal for me. It's sort of either, I mean, I, well, no, I would say medication giving me a bit more of a normal, but I'd still trend towards either really energetic and, you know, full of ideas and kind of almost this sort of manic feeling, which doesn't always feel good, but can be really good. And then depressed, right? And like lethargic can't you know feel like i'm made of concrete kind of thing so even with medication it is still a maintenance and a challenge but i'm i'm way better than i was so i had gone into therapy and i think i i just couldn't you know would be at it for a while working really hard and my therapist was like you know it shouldn't be this hard like i think that and she's like i'm usually in the business of getting people off med, uh, medication but i i'm thinking you should go and and see a psychiatrist. So she, she recommended a psychiatrist that was working in the same building and it just was not a good fit. And I went through hell with that. It was like three years of trying every medication combination. Cause, um, uh, psych meds are, are notorious for being so difficult to, uh, to combine with other medications to, you know, so, there are so many side effects, all that kind of things. So it actually feels to me like an absolute miracle that it ended up working out. And it was, it was horrible. It was just, and I'm very comfortable on stage normally. And I went through a time where I thought I was going to die having to go out on stage. Like I'd be standing on stage and I would just be like hyperventilating and I'd get out on stage and I could barely play my guitar because I was so nervous. And it was, it was horrible. Like I was feeling like I would have to quit. Like I couldn't see myself being able to do that. And then thankfully something, you know, I had a different psychiatrist who got me on the right track. It took a long time to still get everything else out of my system. And then eventually it just kind of clicked. It was really interesting. And I came from like a long history of doing everything in my power short of medication to try and, you know, deal with this. So I'm certainly not a, you have to be on medication, but I'm also a don't judge medication negative. Don't judge people who take medication because some people absolutely require it. And bipolar disorder is one of those things that you, you typically cannot not be on medication. So for people who still don't understand the condition, how is that different than just being moody or, you know, going through a stressful time where you don't love your job? How is this different than what most people go through? Well, it's funny because I put this often, like, I don't even know what's normal for people. Like, I don't, I've only ever been in my brain. And I keep wanting to people who don't suffer, 
with this, like, what does your day look like? Because I know that I wake up again, even with medication that is putting me in a much better place than I ever was. I wake up being like feeling stressed, like feeling like, you know, and, and I just, it's just a constant, my brain is just, I'm constantly trying to manage what my brain is doing. It's just exhausting. It's just moment by moment trying to um, harness what's going on in my head and constantly trying to find tools. You know, I mean, meditation is good for anybody, but it's just, it's, it's like, I guess my therapist said it's like, you know, most, most people can handle like changes in their sleeping and, you know, and, can drink uh i mean you know like reasonably but i mean it's just there's certain things i have to do to be healthy and they're pretty stringent and and i i think for mo i think maybe this is my guess again because i don't know what it's like to not have this brain but i would think that when people get down and and frustrated and sad they can identify it as sad and frustrated if they understand emotions and they can they can go, okay, I'm sad and frustrated right now, but tomorrow will probably be better, right? And, and or they can, they can identify, like, I'm sad because this happened, like this person, this friend didn't get back to me or whatever. Like they can identify it as a, as a result of a particular situation, whereas mine has no situation that, that, you know, creates those feelings. It's just, it's just there. It's just like, it's, yeah. Does that make any sense? Absolutely, like it's just, yeah. Yeah. And so, and so I just feel like it's always a marathon to kind of keep things in check. And, and that's just, I don't know. I, I just, I, I, I want to talk to more people about, about how they feel like people that don't suffer from because and another way I put it is that there's no there's very rarely a sense of well-being. Oh, like there's just always a sense that something's wrong and something's gonna go bad and there, you know, I don't have as much of a sense of doom as I used to have, but there's still that sense like I've got to stay on top of stuff or it's gonna collapse, you know. Or or another way of putting it, and I mean I'm being very honest here, but I I sort of as I get older I'm like I don't give a shit if someone is just like what a crazy person <laughs> i just don't care i like if, i'm more interested if this helps someone great if you think i'm a lunatic fine like i don't care um and and you and it's just if that is the result if that's a response then that's an ignorance well about that's that's the important of having this conversation though is because it's it's way more common than we like to think and we're not crazy people there's literally something wrong if there's something wrong with your body or whatever you understand that there's something that doesn't work right and you either go and get the medication or get the whatever it is that helps you to function more normally if your leg is you know, doesn't work like it should or whatever. And it's the yeah. same thing with you and me and our brains. We recognize that the things that should help us, I don't know, about, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but for me, the things that should help me, the, the exercise, the eating right, the sleeping enough and whatever, those things don't, weren't doing the trick for me. They, they, they weren't fixing the problem. There was a, there was something broken in my brain that doing all those things right 
wasn't able to overcome until I had medication and therapy and, and all these kind of understandings. So I recognize that there's something in my brain that works differently than most people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's no, like, there's just no, why is there shame? There, you know, it's just, I mean, it's a history, it's a history of how we did mental health, obviously, but it's just, this needs to stop because people are literally dying yeah. because of this, yeah. you know? So that's where I say, you know, like, I th and so what I was going to say was that I feel like in this way back when I said that people, you know, I think people can, when they're down, people that don't suffer from a mental illness, can, when they're down, they can identify what it is. It doesn't make, mean that that's less serious. Everybody has their own feeling about things. If you're sad, you're sad, right? And so, but they may be able to say like that's because of this and tomorrow will be different. But me, if something goes wrong, I feel like, I feel so exhausted by everything. I'm like, it, life is not worth it. That's what it feels like. Anytime things are hard, it's like, it's just not worth it. I just struggle so much. And so I don't think that's a normal response, you know, to have that. I mean, again, I, I can only guess at what other people do, but, or how they feel. But anyway, so it's, I mean, I, 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 don't, I also don't want that to depress people. Like, if, you know, for people to think, well, I have this problem, but even if I have, you know, I'm so lucky that I've been able to access therapy and I, and, and, you know, it's, that's not a lot of, that a lot of people can't do that. I've been lucky that I've had a psychiatrist that I see somewhat regularly, and that's not enough for a lot of people. I've had every benefit, and I still have to really work hard. And so I don't want that to seem daunting to someone who is also struggling, you know. Um, I think, I mean, despite the fact that I have the the difficulties and the struggles it's still it's still a good life in a lot of ways you know and still and 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 it's a whole range some people some people are medicated and it really works for them and they have you know they just have a different circumstance and they're happy you know like i don't think everybody's happy all the time but they're they feel good mostly you know but it's just it's also just important to be real about it and I think that like for people who are struggling a bit and thinking maybe I like I feel like I'm not working hard enough or whatever I can't understand why I don't feel better to hear someone say you know you are still going to have your struggles and it is going to be maintenance but that's okay you know like you can that's it's it's this people thinking I'm going to reach this point and then everything will be fine and that's just that's not the case for anybody it doesn't matter who you are and what you, you know, what you're dealing with there's never life is about, you know, managing. So, um, a mental illness is just so isolating. You always feel like you're different than everybody else and nobody understands and it's never going to get better and all these things. And I just feel like if, if people know that there are other people going through the same things and that there is help available, I, I kind of hope that that might make a difference for somebody who's in that position and, or, I hope that maybe somebody who hears one of these can recognize that maybe somebody in their family or a friend or whatever might be having some of these problems and might have a bit of a, a, a better understanding of what's going on and maybe a way to help. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, be able to, to see perhaps what's going on with, with their loved one. Absolutely. I mean, I think my, unfortunately, my cousin who also suffered from bipolar disorder, 
she was bipolar one though she took her life you know and and she'd been fighting with it a long time and i and i feel ashamed of myself because back when she was really you know because she was taking medication that made her puff up and was like she looked in really different and i was afraid of it because i was like i didn't recognize her it was really it was really strange and so i feel like i contributed to her isolation at the time you know and and particularly because i've struggled with depression and and you know all my life i felt like what what the heck like how was i not more empathetic and and so but i think it's just it's so ingrained it's so ingrained in us it's you know, to be aware is is so important. Like just to be, I mean, to be aware of the issue, but then to also be aware of your own bias, you know? I've really been, uh, I'm super interested in how trauma affects us. Uh, I've done, I've been doing so much reading about it because my therapist is a trauma specialist. And um, I, I really think that, you know, I, I I mean, it's, there's so much we don't understand about mental illness. I mean, when you think about how much our society, our scientific community knows about the brain, it's so, it's, it feels so um, rudimentary. And that was, and, you know, scientists will say that themselves, like it's, you know, the brain is such a mystery. Um, but the kind of wiring that happens when you're young and you go through trauma and, and I mean, a lot of kids go through trauma. There are so many different levels. Oh, so of common. It's crazy. And, and so, yeah. So, I mean, there, you know, disorders come out of that. Um, if you're a person that has a genetic, uh, um, predis uh, predisposal to, to having a mental illness, if you don't, if you are relatively unscathed when you're younger, then you can avoid that bullet, you know, but, if you go through trauma and you already have a ability to mental illness, then that's, that's not great. You know? So I, I'm just, uh, I'm constantly reading about trauma and it's just, it's fascinating to me. Yeah. It just has such an impact on so many people's lives and, and it, it's so hard to tell what it's going to do to you down the road or where it's going to manifest. And it shows mm -hmm. up in sh so many different ways. Absolutely. I, I, I feel like there there's so much great work being done, but not enough, not enough um, translation to the public. You know what I mean? Like that those this information is not sort of readily available. And so I just look at like, I feel like our we have a very traumatized world and people don't see it. I mean, you know, the people that support Trump, I think, have their own traumas that, you know, they come from their own backgrounds where shit happened and it is, you know, but we all do. It's not just to, you know, not to focus on that, but it's, um, yeah, I feel like if, I feel like if there was even a basic understanding of trauma, but it, it, you know, with the public, you know, you see it, it, it would make, it would, you know, the world would be a different place. And yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's so vital to me. And, and I'm sort of trying to think of, how I want to work with that in the future, you know, either artistically or activist wise, activism wise, you know, but yeah, it sounds like you've, you've looked into that a fair bit. Hey, well, I mean, I'm, I'm a teacher, right. And it's, uh, 
you see it all the time. And, and whereas, you know, when we were young, the kid who acted out or the kid who was falling asleep in class or the kid who was, you know, just a pain in the neck, that was all that it was. And now I kind of understand that some of these kids have gone through hell in their past and in their young lives. And so of course they're going to act out somehow. Of course yeah. it's going to affect how they behave. And of course it's going to affect how they succeed in school. For sure. And I'm so like, I'm sure there are a lot of, a lot of, you know, more and more teachers who recognize that, but at the same time, like there are still a lot who don't. And, and, uh, uh that makes me so happy to hear you say that. And not like I would have thought any different of you. Um, but yeah, the kids that are the, the, you know, the troublemakers are the ones that need the most empathy and, and guidance. Like, doesn't it seem insane to think that, you know, well, I mean, it's still happening. I shouldn't say this, but, um, you know, the, the kids that are, that are, that are creating trouble just then punished more, punished trauma. Yeah. They act out. So we send them home where the problem probably comes from. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then you think of, you know, during the pandemic, thinking of these kids that have like where school is their only break from, you know, shit storms, like to have to just be there all the time. is just heartbreaking. Some of my students never have food at home. They come to school to eat. Really? You know? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's hard for them to be home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the best we can do is try to help them as much as we can just you know for sure and and it's sort of like when i think about you know i just i had a solid practically like a practical solid family where i never had to worry about food i never had to worry about anything to do with like the basics of life i still struggled with stuff and i can't even imagine not having consistency and you know, and, and food and proper shelter and like, it just, yeah, it's, and, and, and yet there is so little understanding about how that impacts kids. It just, I, I have such a huge desire to, to see that improve. And I'm just like, I'm not sure how that's going to manifest, you know, cause I think doing the, doing the, uh, work with like, and we also do Can- or work with the Canadian Mental Health Association. You know, like that's valuable because it gets money in the right places. But you need to change people's minds as well. Thanks for putting up with that lousy phone connection. It's totally my fault. I knew it was bad, and I decided to just go with it. And I learned a lesson the hard way. Hopefully, you made everything out okay. But if you have any questions or feedback, please get in touch with me at flywithyourshadow at gmail dot com. You can find Whalen Jenny's music and merchandise at thewhalenjennies.com. Nikki has her own website at nikkimeda.ca, and that's N-I-C-K-Y-M-E-H-T-A dot C-A, where you can find out a lot more about her. She's also written a wonderful picture book called Away But Never Gone. I hope you enjoyed the show. You can find us on social media at Fly With Your Shadow and on our website, flywithyourshadow.com. I'd really appreciate it if you'd share this show with somebody else. We're working hard to try to get new listeners all the time, and your recommendation could really help build our audience. I also host a music show called Tell the Band to Go Home, where I play a lot of music like what you heard today. 
You can find out more at tellthebandtogohome.com and on various podcast providers. I thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show and I really hope you'll join me again next week on Fly With Your Shadow.